are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Awesome. Well, it's exciting to be able to share this morning. I spoke on Mother's Day, and because I didn't totally blow it, Lance is like, you're on again. I'm like, yes, women, rise up. <laughs> but awesome. So I'm, um, I just want to share this morning about uh, that persistent faith from Luke 18. So let's just pray first. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for every person here, God, because every person in this building just represents a divine appointment. I love your calendar, Lord, how you don't erase things and reschedule them. You know. You know the time we're actually going to meet. You know the time you're actually going to accomplish what you're going to do. And, Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I ask, Lord, that every uh, heart would just be yielded to you, just with that openness that says, God, I want whatever you want for me this morning. And, Lord, I love how we can talk about um, one topic, but your spirit can be totally dealing with something else. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, to deal with us according to where you have us today. And I just thank you for your word. Amen. So I like that story. I don't know if you heard it, but there are two boys waiting for their mom to make them breakfast, and uh, they're arguing over who gets the first pancake. And it's like, no, I want it. I want it. And the mom thinks, what a great time to teach them. So she says, you know, if Jesus was here, he would let his older, he would let his other, the younger brother have the first pancake. And the older brother says to the younger brother, you be Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, we're just like that. You know, we all want to be, we all want to be Christ-like until it costs us something, right? Until the character has to line up. It's like, so, yeah, I want to be just like God, but I don't want to be crucified, you know? So Luke 18 Um, I think we have the scripture on there. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? And uh, so just starting, pulling out a few points. Then Jesus told his disciples his story. And so I was in kids' church last week, and I thought, what a great way to practice my sermon. So I'll just talk to them about it in kid language. So I'm like, you know, Jesus liked to tell stories. There was a main character. There was um, like an antagonist and a protagonist. And, and we have a conflict. And I'm teaching them this. And this little girl in the back puts up her hand. And I said, yes. And she goes, you also need a setting and a scene. And I'm like, really? I said, that's English 30. I took English 33. <laughs> and aren't you old enough to sit with mommy and daddy? Like, really? So forget telling you about antagonist, protagonist. There's a main character, okay? And the main character, Jesus says, in a certain town, 
And he said um, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And you know what? God is so awesome. He confirms his word in his word all the time. So where do we recognize this phrase again? Okay, so we've got he neither feared God or cared what people thought. And that's when the rich young ruler um, came to Jesus and he says, uh, the Pharisees came right around when the rich young ruler was there, and he says, what's the most important con- commandment, they asked him. And he says, because they're looking for the rules, right? Which is the best rule? And he says, they can all be summed up in this. And what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And so why was this judge unjust? Because he was the opposite of that. He didn't love God, he didn't care what God thought, and he didn't care about people Um, so we have the unjust judge. Why was he unjust? Because he did not honor that. I personally have never stood before a judge before, but Lance went through a major Judge Judy phase, so I saw, like, every episode between, like, 1987 and 92, and Judge Judy uh, Shamlin or Chamberlain, whatever her name is, she would not be unjust at all, she, and she's cranky. She's mean, kind of cranky, but she, I think she's very fair. In fact, her biography talked about how she was amazing because she put through more cases uh, than all her, her peers. And, uh, yeah, so I saw lots of Judge Judy. Um, I have dealt with an insurance company, which can feel like an unjust judge. And um, so I... Another great thing about turning 40 is your feet start to go. And so I got these really expensive insoles in my runners, and they're awesome, but they cost a lot of money. So we have really awesome insurance, just have to send the receipt in, right? No, 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 no. Insurance companies aren't like that. They want to know where your doctor lives. They want to know his MasterCard number. They want every bit of information. So after doing this two years in a row and having them always reject my claim, the third time... I sent it in the third time I had to get these. I said, I am so on this. I know every possible thing. They want to know the technique and the machines they use to make the insoles. They want to know the location. They want to know, uh, you know, what, who the nurse was on call that day. And was she replacing the regular person? I had it all in my file. And do you know I opened a letter and it says, sorry, your claim is rejected. Uh, insufficient information. And I'm furious. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So I go down to my mom and dad's place, the photocopier's down there, and I'm photocopying furiously. And my dad's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I will be the Aaron Brockovich of insoles. I'm not quitting. And I just felt like that unjust, going before that unjust judge. And that thing of, I will die photocopying my claim. I'm not quitting. I'm not. So that was my closest... um, experience of an unjust judge. But uh, the next person in our story is the widow. And the widow's the underdog. And always, always we see that God uses our weakness to display his strength. And that's just a theme through the whole Bible, you know? And it's just like, you know, if you feel that you're inadequate, if you feel that, you know, I really, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not whatever enough, guess what? You are a perfect candidate to, for God to do something great. I was just, even as we were praying, as we were singing that song, Give Me Faith, I looked around and I just felt like God was saying, do you have any idea how much potential is in this room? 
and its potential not in how great everybody's personal talents are, but how much potential in how much area we need for God to move in our life. For physical, for financial, emotional, relationship-wise, there's like so much need in this room that if we would be like this widow and persist, you know, revive, that's what revivals are made of, right? So we see there that she's um, a widow, and it says that she came again and again and again. She kept persisting, right? Tastes like vitamin water's been added to my water. (laughs) How long do you think she came? You know, like, I'm thinking time-wise, like, how many times would would we reappeal? How many times would we go before the judge before we finally gave up. And it's like, Lord, how come it's a widow? How come he said a certain town? He didn't say Samaria. He didn't say Judea. He said a certain town. And he didn't say a certain woman. He said a widow. He wants us very clearly to know that it's an underdog that he's sticking up for. He wants us very clearly to know that when the odds are stacked against you, that he's there. It wasn't a leader of the city gate. You know, I think, you know, they had the leaders and they all kind of sat out and would have court. And I think if it had been someone from a city gate, eventually, and they were trying to get justice, they would cut their losses. You know what? This is taking way too much time. The time I've invested is not worth the return I will get. But that's not what happened with the widow, right? Because the widow, we will get to that. (laughs) There's a big reveal in the story, and he starts off right at the beginning. He tells us the moral of the story. Two things. First of all, it definitely is about prayer. He says, show them that they will always, should always pray and not give up. So it's not just a story about pray. It's a story about prayer and not quitting. And I think sometimes we get these dreams, and they're really God dreams, like, not sleeping dreams, but just kind of thoughts that we think, you know what, that would be so cool if someone would do that. It would be so cool if we had like, um, you know, like a walking group that would just walk around the city and pray. That would be awesome. But then we let it go. (laughs) Or we think, uh, you know what, it would be awesome if we had a small group for people who have been divorced and they're just kind of broken. Yeah, someone should do that. And it just kind of ends there. And I think, you know what? What kind of things have, has God put in our heart that we might need to be persistent in and just take it beyond that? And uh, even in marriages, like, I mean, that's just so prevalent. And you just look around and think, how many times do we just cash in because it's like, you know what? It's just not worth it. And parenting, oh, my goodness. Like, you take an average child. And it's hard to be consistent with, like, uh, disciplining and, you know, teaching and training. But you take a strong-willed child, and, man, they can, they can out-persist you, no problem. It takes persistence to really stand in that place and just say, you know what? No, it is exhausting, but I'm not quitting. In the workplace, I know a lot of times we just feel like, oh, wow, God got me this job. And then a few months later, it's like, yeah, it didn't work out. It's like, really? We need to 
you know, as Christians, as people of integrity, just to be in that place of finishing what God's given us. Um, God's revealing two things in the story. Number one, he reveals what he's like. And he says, listen, if this judge who is unjust says, I'm going to give her justice, lest she wear me out day and night, he says, how much more will I bring about justice for my chosen ones? And he wants us to know this really plain. He's not saying, you know what, I might, it depends. He says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And he says to them, will I not step in for you? Will I not step up for you? And he wants us to know that so plain about him. He reveals, this is what the father's like. I will. If an unjust judge, he shows you, this is a wicked person. If they're like that, how much more? He wants us to know, this is what I'm like. Don't have an image in your head that God's mean and he does not want justice. It says quite clearly here, the Lord said, listen, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? He wants us to know that so clear. He wants us to know, not just to hope. And then the second thing he reveals, or he, the second reveal of this thing is our reveal. And here's his big question. His big question is, when the Son of Man returns, will he find this kind of faith on the earth? And this kind of faith, the Greek word is pistis faith, means we get the word persistence from it. And he says, that's the kind of faith I'm looking for, like a widow who doesn't stop. And so other words that describe this word are uh, moral conviction, belief, trust, loyal. One of the words is fidelity. Fidelity is a covenant word. And over and over in the New Testament, we totally see that bridal paradigm between Christ and the church. And so he says, this is not just a faith of, do you believe in me? But it's a faithfulness. Faithfulness as in faithfulness in intimacy, that when you make marriage covenant vows, you don't look anywhere else. He says, that's what I'm looking for when I come back. He says, this is who I am plainly. Plainly, I am yes for justice for you. And then he says, what are you for me? This is what I'm looking for. Even in uh, friendships, our Lord is showing me this, that so many times we, we all know that, you know, oh, God's heart is not really for divorce. And, and if it happens, he loves us. And, and, you know, we've got all this brokenness to deal with and stuff. But, and yet we all kind of know that. But yet in friendships, we're so quick to be done with people as well. And it's just like, you know what? I don't think it's God's heart that we just, you know, delete people in uh, and just really having that persistence in relationship as well. So there are two things that are uh, major faith busters, and the first one's lack of trust. And it's like, how do we trust more? If you accept the Lord into your life, and maybe you repeat it after someone a sinner's prayer, or, or you just came to that understanding, but if you don't do anything more than accept the Lord in a prayer like that, that's like getting married but living in a different house. And that's, that's not what it's about. How you trust more 
is by investing time and getting to know. And not just know about, but know. And so we've got a problem that a lot of people have accepted the Lord, but they haven't moved in. And then we have some people who can move in and live under the same roof, but they don't live together. And so Lance and I are coming up on 18 years. Or, no, we did have 18. Well, we're celebrating next week. Yeah, that's why. In my head, in my head, I was thinking, we're going to, yeah, we're going to Edmonton. We're not going to, yeah. So anyway, eight, coming up on 18 years. And you know, for me, I don't have a worry. I don't have a, a fear that he's going to cheat on me. I just don't have a fear that he's going to be unfaithful. And it's not because he's a pastor of a church and it's not because we've been married for 18 years. It's not the 18 years that's the key. The key is I trust him because I know him. And so when you know someone, then there's going to be a whole lot less surprises. You know, he's not the kind of person who is uh, having blocks of time missing from his life. You know, I, I, I know what he does. I know he's faithful. Like, it will drive him crazy if he doesn't mow the lawn on time. You know, that's just who he is. And so I know that when he's faithful in those little things, then the big things are important to him. You know, integrity is that word that just basically a few years ago, it was a huge word of of North America, the word integrity. Everyone had to have it in their job, in the workplace, in in, uh, marriage, in men's groups, in women's groups. That was like a hot word. But integrity just basically means to complete what you started. And it means let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I know that about him. I know that after all the time we've invested together, it's not just because we've been under the same roof. It's because we know each other. It's because I know his true heart. And I think that's part of what that persistence is, is that when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, you know what, the persistent ones are the ones who know me. They know my heart. And he's just looking for people who are trusting in him. Not just hoping in him, but people who trust because it's like, I know. He's been faithful in the small things in my life. He'll be faithful in the big things. And you know, the I got mixed up a bit, but the rich young ruler I was talking about before is that when he came to the Lord and he says, hey, what do I have to do? And he says, obey the commands. He said, I've done all that. And Jesus said, sell everything you have and come and follow me. And, and now as I was preparing this, I really felt like the Lord was showing me that it's not that Jesus was exposing his heart of how much he loved money. But I believe this is, this is the Savior that I serve, okay? This is how he speaks to me that reaffirms over and over that I want to follow you with my whole heart for all my life. I want to trust you with everything because this is what he kind of showed me. He said, Cindy, it's not that I was exposing a sin in his life that he loved money too much. I was extending an invitation, and I was saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me more than you trust this? Will you trust me more than your finances? And you know what? The Bible goes on to say that the disciples said to him privately after, but Lord, we've given up this to follow you. And he says, in this life, you, whoever's given up brothers or sisters or or, uh, stuff is going to get more. And I know my parents have experienced that. They, you know, one time gave up lots of uh, potential and future in finance to go into ministry. And maybe the dollar number isn't as high as what it could have been, but ask them, have they received more than if they stayed? And following him will always bring increase in your life. He's never going to bring you... Poverty is not a kingdom principle. And, And just... 
Trusting him is part, uh, not trusting him is a real faith buster. If you can't trust him for your next step, then how are you going to trust him for the other things? The other thing I had um, happen was uh, this week I had a friend call me, and uh, one of my really close friends, she's so scared because because the doctors found these lumps in her throat, and she said, you know, it, and it says on my, says on my report, po- suspect malignant. And I just said, but it's not true today. We got to persist. We got to get it into our spirit that says, God, I'm keeping my eyes on you, because that's my only hope. My eyes on anything else equals sinking. Eyes on you equals hope. Life, potential. And if it's not true today, just don't get tripped up by listening to the enemy. Because he never has good news. The weather's never going to be good in his world. Um, The other faith buster, huge. It's just uh, along the same line. is discouragement and uh you know your mind's just so powerful hey and uh the kids were playing in the backyard and a stray dog ran in our yard and it was like the cutest thing ever it was so fluffy you could have potential being licked to death and the kids came in screaming my nephew's there and uh he came in screaming first and he goes ah we could get rabies ah And then I go out and I look, and I'm like, oh, no, that dog won't hurt you, but I'll get him out of the backyard. So the next thing we knew, Libby was in on top of her bed screaming, and Mackenzie goes in. She goes, Libby, what's wrong? She goes, that dog, I don't want him to bite me, and then I would get gravy. And it's like, really? (laughs) You know, we, we sometimes get fearful about things that not only aren't true, but aren't even potentially true. You know, and we need to really, you know, consider what are, what we're thinking, what our belief system is, because you know what, some of us are afraid of gravy, and gravy's not even a potential problem. And uh, if we look in uh, verse three, the the widow comes and she says, "Grant me justice against my adversary." Now this is a huge problem of where we get tripped up and we get hugely discouraged because when we say we drive down the road and we say that I love that house I believe oh I felt something in my spirit I think the Lord wants us to have that house and when that house doesn't come through quite often we we just get so tripped up because it's like well God if I didn't hear you about that house then how do I know anything I hear from you is true and all of a sudden our whole faith is shaken And we think, well, I'm going to be like that persistent widow, and I'm not going to give up praying for that house. And I guess it's a case-by-case thing. You need to know from your walk with the Lord, you know, what he says to you and what he doesn't. But as we look at this story, this parable, she says, grant me justice against who? Adversary. 1 Peter 5.8 says, and the devil who is your is like a roaring lion. doesn't say he is. There's one lion, and that's a lion from the tribe of Judah. It's Jesus Christ, okay? So he is not. He is like. He tries to be like him. But 
our true adversary is the devil. Okay? So she says, grant me justice from him. So when Jesus says in this story, he says, listen, and will God not even more quickly bring you justice? I believe he's talking directly in relation to the things that the enemy is blocking according to God's will for you. He will quickly, quickly take care of. And so many times we trip our faith up because we just say, well, I was believing for this and I was believing for that and it didn't, didn't come through. I believe the things that the adversary have put a block in our life, the things that he is uh, putting a wall there, if we persist in our prayers with the Lord, if we persist in our faith with the Lord, those things will quickly be taken care of. And we need to discern the difference between, okay, what is the spiritual battle where the enemy is standing there? And so many times we get our eyes and we think our adversary is our husband or our adversary is our employer or we think our adversary is the mayor. No! There's one adversary. The Bible says you don't wrestle against. So that means if you think the problem is the person with the flesh and the blood, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Okay? So whatever he's trying to do maybe through a person... You just say, Lord, I bless them. I bless them. But as for my adversary, I come to you. I come to you, Lord. And I come again and again. And I know your will for me is that you're stepping in. I know your will for me is that you're stepping up. And I'm not going to quit. <laughs> Psalms 27 one says, don't brag about tomorrow because you don't know. And so many times we do that, hey, I'm, I'm going here and I'm doing this and I've got these great big plans. Well, that's awesome because we should plan ahead and be wise. But in saying that, you know, with the Lord willing, if the Lord willings, this is what I plan. But a lot of times we set ourselves up and we get in that place of saying, this is going to happen. And let's put it this way. If Jesus, the son of God, who was there from the foundation of the world, had to pray, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, how much more do we need to pray that? How much more? And I'm telling you, it's, it, it's, not, it's not a cop-out prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of knowing who the smartest one is. It's a prayer of saying, God, I give you everything because you're trustworthy and I trust you with everything. That's a powerful prayer. It's not a cop-out prayer. I come against that lie that says, oh, yeah, if you just pray God's will. No, you're praying God's will with faith. You're praying, God, your will be done out of relationship because I trust you. And when you trust him, it's easy to pray that because you know the best place you can be is in his hands. You know, you always quit in your mind first. Spoken from a woman who's been going to the gym for 10 years. <laughs> and every time I've stopped going for a long period of time, I quit here before I stopped going to the building. It wasn't one day I stopped going and five, five weeks later. It was always the quit comes here, you know? And we so need to be mindful of that. Because that's, that's where he starts, the enemy starts that Uh, tape playing. That's where he starts that cycle of his voice speaking, saying, uh, you know, really, what is the point? Nothing's happening. 
It's not going to work. Who do you think you are? And after all, you hear this enough? Who do I think I am? You know? Well, nothing. I haven't seen anything change yet. And he just breathes that over and over again. Faith builders. Number one, the thing that you think is your weakness is your biggest strength. Desperation. Why a widow? Because in that society, a widow, there's no social security. There is no um, any social programs that would take care. So they would know that when he said in a certain town there was a widow, they immediately had a picture. Worst possible thing could happen. She's not getting justice. She's got no brothers to stick up for her. She's got no husband, no gate town leaders who are going to rally. She's easy to get rid of. We know how this story is going to go, but the judge doesn't consider the ward. The enemy of the best life ever is quite often a good life. And I love the movie Tangled. Best day ever! And you know, I know it's Disney, but I really think that God kind of throws those phrases out in the earth so that we'd grab onto something and we wouldn't just settle. You know, he wants you to have the best life ever. And that's called persistent faith that doesn't quit. And so many times the enemy of the best life is a good life. Ah, oh, I, uh, I can handle this. Oh, it could be worse. At least I don't have leprosy. It's like, really? You're going you're gonna to live just boring and plain and, and not, not like loving your life just because it could be worse? I just think that, that that's so sad. You know, God's got more for us. He's the, he's the God of, of life and excitement. And I think hanging out with him was never, like, yawning. Oh, he was always on to something, on to the next thing. He was always stirring people up. And there were crowds for reasons. And I think when he comes back and he says, you know, I'm looking, the Son of Man returns, what kind of faith is he going to find? I don't think he's looking for good faith. I think he's looking for great faith. He's looking for persistent faith. In that scripture, Revelations 3.15, that totally scary one that says, I wish you were hot or cold, but lukewarm, I'll spit out of my mouth. Like, I just, like, Jesus, you're such a nice person. How, that sounds really mean. And it's just like, you know, when, I know you want to tell us something about that more than the obvious. And I just felt like he was saying, you know, Hot is hot. Cold, I know we're exactly where you stand. But you know what really he doesn't tolerate? People who settle for good. One foot in a covenant relationship, and the other one's out checking out, well, I'll just look. No, don't look. Covenant. Covenant relationship, persistent faith that doesn't quit. Not Lukewarm talks about mixture. It's saying, I'm going to be all for you, God, except it's over here, except on Fridays, except, no, not lukewarm. If my husband loves me, then he loves me. 
I don't want any husband who says, I love you today. I'm not sure about you tomorrow. Uh, I like this about you, but here's the 25,000 things I don't like. No. Hot. Hot, baby. (laughs) Desperation is a faith builder. Why was she desperate? You know what? Quite honestly, she had nothing to quit for. She had nothing else to go home to. This was it. And that's our big North American problem. We just, we're so blessed, but we get rocked to sleep. And it's like, God, wake us up. Lord, if that's our challenge, you know, maybe we don't have to pray for the next meal on our table. Maybe that's not our hardship. Maybe our hardship is, God, in the midst of everything that I'm blessed with, help me to never forget to be desperate for you. You know, and we need to renew ourselves in that all the time. The other uh, faith uh, builder is, in, is our testimony. And it, what a perfect song. Gord, you're awesome. How you listen to God. Uh, we'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Encouraging yourself by encouraging others. Revelations 12.1. Number one, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. You know, when you're raised in Christian in church, that does not freak you out to hear the blood of the lamb. It's like, oh yeah, I'm saved by the blood of the lamb. If it's your first time here, you might be going, what in the world? Like, really? So Jesus, back in the Old Testament, they had to give sacrifices for their sins. And the priests had to kill these animals, and that's how they atoned. That's how they did it. And it would be a symbolic picture of their hope that was coming, that one day a Messiah would come who would pay the price. And they wouldn't have to do this horrible thing that showed that sin is death. So this is why we say that phrase. That, 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 uh, that's why... The blood of the lamb is so precious to Christians because it shows us that we don't have to kill innocents anymore to cover our sins, but it's been paid one time, done for all. Paid in full. And I just, you know what? That's what the power, when we talk about the power of the cross, that's what it is. It's like we don't look at the cross and, and grieve because we look at the cross and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that it is done. When Jesus said it is finished, that's what he meant. You are forgiven. Have you received that forgiveness? But the forgiveness was done and paid for on that day, and it's up to us if we receive it. So the blood of the lamb, and the second is the word of our testimony. And uh, we went to a Beth Moore conference a little while ago, uh, did the bus road trip. It was so fun. We had the best bus driver ever. And uh, you know, The more you walk with the Lord, then he just starts leaking out. You know? It just happens, right? And so we were in a Tim Hortons. Just strangely, it was the only coffee place to stop, I guess. And uh, so we stopped at a Tim Hortons in the morning. We get our coffee on the way to the conference. That night, like around 5 o'clock, I think, no, 2 in the afternoon maybe. But we were in Airdrie from a downtown Tim Hortons to a Tim Hortons in Airdrie, okay? Far away, Calgary's big city. So when we go in in the morning, us 20 ladies are in there, and somehow a man gets stuck in the middle of our group, and it's like, well, we all have to wait for each other anyway. You go ahead. And he's like, I kind of like being surrounded by ladies. I'm like, you're a smart man. So 
we got chatting with him. He was from Germany, and he is just out for the morning walk and um, just chatted with him. How long you been in Calgary? And blah blah blah. And off we go. Have a nice day. And do you know when we stopped at that Airdrie Tim Hortons, uh, Jean was beside me. She goes, Cindy, that's the guy from this morning. And I looked over, and I'm like, you're kidding me. So I go over to this man, and I just say, are you the guy from Tim Hortons this morning? He goes, yeah. He's just smiling. And I said, why, why did you come to this Tim Hortons? He goes, oh, I had to pick up some papers from a lawyer down the street, so I came for a coffee. Okay. Like, my God tinglers were, like, way up here, like, yo, that's what you think. Okay, so I just trying to, because I just come from a conference, I was a little excited, so I was trying to just be casual, and I just said, you know, um, Frank, I have a feeling that God really wants to do something in your life today, because I just don't think it's by chance that we met you this morning, we see you here. I said, is there anything, like, I really think God wants to give you something. I said, can I, is there anything that I could pray for you for? And he says, could you pray um, for happiness? And I said, is it okay if I pray here? He goes, yeah. So we just prayed. And then I just told him, I said, you know what? You might feel like you're just like one single person in the city of Calgary, but God says, I've got my eye on you. And I believe that he's got really great plans for you. You need to find a place where people are going to support you and love you. And it's probably going to be in a church somewhere. And we just prayed for him and blessed him and, and left. And it was just like, you know, really? I don't know. Like, I think it meant something to him because he's kind of emotional. But, you know, whether, you know, anything comes of that for him or not, I don't know. But for me and the girls with me, we were so encouraged. You know? Like, it's, it's not all... I'm sure God is going to do something with him. He'll prob- I'll probably meet him in a Tim Hortons somewhere. I've got to keep my eyes open. I've got to start going into the restaurant. I've got to lose the drive through I think that part of the secret that we forget about in testimony is not, we think it's all about the other person, right? And I used to think like, oh, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my thing. I don't, I, you know, I don't walk around going, God, give me a word for that one. And that's not me. But the more you fill up with God, the more you get to know him relationally, he just starts leaking out. I didn't look at him and think, God, give me a word. It was just like, oh, that's the guy we know from this morning. Blah. You know? Like, just, it, it just starts flowing more. So just take the pressure off of who do I need to evangelize? Because that is so, like, that's like me saying, well, what compliment can I think of to give Lance? You know, like it's better when it flows out of you and, 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 it's, and it's real, not, you know, I don't think, sometimes we think we need to do God a favor. He doesn't need our favors. He wants a flow of our love for him that is very who he created us to be. Acts 14.22 says, um, many tribulations, uh, uh, how about we read Acts 14.22? You know, the scripture says that if we, if we lift up the name of the Lord, that he will draw everyone onto him, right? And sometimes we just get that backwards. Sometimes we think that our job is to draw them. No, we just have to lift up Jesus. And as we talk about what the Lord has done for us, as we talk about what he means to us, then he does the rest, He's the, one who's, he's the one in charge of the drawing.
1822. Paul and Barnabas handpicked leaders in each church. After praying their prayers, intensified by fasting, they presented the new leaders to the to the master whom they had entrusted their lives. Working their way back through Cedia, they came. Hmm. Okay, thank you. This is the message, and it does it in clumps. Okay, here we go. After proclaiming the message in Derby and establishing a strong core of disciples, they retraced their steps, and then in Antioch, putting muscle and sinew in their lives of the disciples, urging them to stick with what they had begun to believe and not quit, making it clear to them that it wouldn't be easy. Anyone signing up for the kingdom of God has got to go through plenty of hard times. And so the disciples encouraged each other. And it says in the NIV that we all come into the kingdom through many tribulations. So if you're going through many tribulations, you're in good company. You're in kingdom company. But they encouraged each other to stay in the faith. And the word faith is the same word as the widow's faith. It's the persistent faith. We need to encourage each other with testimony. Proverbs 29, 26. This is the scripture I want to leave with you. Um, If you're in that place of just contending for a breakthrough with the Lord. Many people want to speak to a ruler, but justice comes only from the Lord. Only comes from the Lord. Sometimes we just think, if this person would just understand me, everything would be fine. Sometimes that person's never, ever going to get you. But God gets you. He made you. Stop pursuing an audience with who you think your adversary is and get an audience with the true ruler because it's God who declares justice. Don't quit praying and don't quit persisting. Quit listening to the voice in your head that says it's not worth it. Cut your losses. Be quiet. Don't, don't, don't speak. Won't help. Won't make a difference. Just, just lay down. Maybe as soon as you wake up, you hear that voice. Go back to sleep. Best thing is if you just get more sleep. That's not God's voice usually. God's voice sounds like this. My answer is yes. I'm with you. Be strong. Get up. (laughs) That's your wife's voice, your mom's voice, maybe. Get up. Be the difference. You know what Jesus' voice really sounds like? You're the beloved. You are the beloved. Let everything that you pursue flow from that place of who you are in him. And he cherishes you. You're worth waiting for. You're worth coming back for. He's doing everything to get things ready for us. I guess he just wants to know when he comes back, will he find us doing everything to get ready for him? It's just a simple question. He states very clearly, if an unjust judge is like this, how much more am I going to be for you?
And if a persistent widow gets what she wants, how much more am I going to put in your hands, Justice? You know the saddest thing in the world? I bet so many of us quit just one day early. And, and I just think in the spiritual realm, you know, as the angels kind of watch over and see what happens and they're interceding and doing whatever God tells them to do, I think so many times they must just be like, oh my goodness, can you believe it? The answer's, the answer's coming at 3 o'clock. She quit at 1. She was going to get a raise at 3. You know? The light bulb was going to come on tomorrow. And we quit a day early and a dollar short. And we just, I think sometimes God's just like, just, just trust me. Hold on. But what if? Then die trying. Today. Today. What if his word is today? So easy when you're in God's presence. So easy when you sing a few worship songs. Just be like, yeah, God, I do. I give you everything. I trust you. But when you go in a place where the atmosphere changes, that's when you got to stir up that spirit. Stir up the gifts in you, Paul said to Timothy. You stir them up. You can't just be dependent on how the circumstances look. Because that's never going to be the determining factor. Determining factors who gets the last word. Well, let's just pray. And if you would like any prayer ministry this morning, we have lots of uh, pastors and prayer team people. Jacqueline and Nick are here too. And anyone who's Allah uh, uh, approved to pray for people can come on up if, if you would like. And um, we just ask, Gord, if you'd come up. And Lord, I just thank you for your word. God, I don't, I don't know why you kind of stay on this theme with all the different leaders. Either the leaders really need to be encouraged <laughs> or, or someone, someone needs to keep hearing it. But God, I thank you for your word because it did encourage me this week, God, just to see your heart for us. Lord, that you... You're the kind God. You're the loving God. And Lord, that you give us every opportunity to receive all that you have for us. Lord, this is our, this is our time. This is our, this is our chance. This is our season where we can just, Lord, receive from you and get things right. This is our, this is our period of grace. And Lord, help us to steward it well. And Lord, I just, I just thank Lord Jesus that there are some people here, Lord, who need to hear again. Don't quit. Don't quit. Tripping is not quitting. Falling is not quitting. If you trip, you get up. If you fall down, you get up. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.